Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. We're on episode 105, Revelation chapter 5, Worthy is the Land. The subtitle is One Like a Lamb Slaughtered Standing. Folks, this is the pivotal chapter in the entire book of Revelation. Everything rises and falls on Jesus Christ as the worthy sacrificial lamb of God. Let's get right into it, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. And I cried and cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, Stop crying. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He came and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slaughtered. And you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, The Lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and dominion to the one seated on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. If you hear peals of thunder in the background, that's not special effects. That's really thunder happening where I am. Uh, We're in the midst of the onslaught of another one of our famous thunderstorms. But uh, it's kind of cool because it fits right in with the passage of Scripture I'm dealing with today. But as we look into this, John notices that the one who sits on the throne holds a book or a scroll in his right hand that is written on both sides. Scrolls were usually written on the inside, but this is so full of material that it is written on the backside as well. It's reminiscent of the scroll of lament or mourning and woe the Lord gave Ezekiel to eat as he sent Ezekiel to prophesy to Israel. The seven seals point to the completeness of God's purpose as borne witness to by the seven witnesses, the seven spirits which are before the throne. In other words, 
This scroll is complete. There is nothing to be added to or taken away, and it's sealed until the appropriate time when the seals will be opened. It is the work of the Spirit of God to bear witness. So we have a full scroll, front and back, with seven seals that tells us this is an authoritative word that we have here, if only someone was worthy enough to open it. The call to find the worthy person to open the scroll comes back with a resounding answer that no one in all creation was found that is worthy. No one in rank, character, and ability. Nor was one even worthy to look on it. The sad report provoked tears of mourning in the Apostle John. But yet against this backdrop, we see that the Lamb of God enters the center stage and takes ascendancy to the throne. This lamb is not an ordinary lamb. This term lamb here is used exclusively for the resurrected and victorious Christ. The word Jesus is used in the book of Revelation 12 times, compared with the word lamb, which is used 27 times. So it tells us right up front that this aspect of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross to pay for the penalty of man's sin and his resurrection from that borrowed tomb to denote that God has accepted that sacrifice is paramount. It is pivotal to the entire message of the book of Revelation. And it serves as a means of encouragement to both you and I that Jesus has won, that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John said, prevailed and he overcame and he is now presented as one, a lamb that had been slain. It's interesting to note that Somehow, John sees in that picture of this lamb standing that it had been as one slain. And so the bottom line is that John somehow, and he does not say how, but most likely in the sense of a scarring or some sort of wound at the neck, that John says this is one that had been slain, yet it's alive. This lamb is the ultimate superpower. It talks about that he is the fact the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has seven horns. He has seven eyes. He's prevailed. He's triumphed. Jesus is eternally indestructible. You want to know why the world hates you and hates me? It's because they hate that which they cannot subdue. And they tried to subdue Jesus even to the point of death on the cross, and they did not win. Jesus is eternally indestructible. He is all-powerful, talking about there with the seven horns, and he's all-knowing, the representation of the seven eyes. Nothing can hide from his eyes of scrutiny, and nothing can resist his punishment. This lamb, he gives new meaning to the word slaughter. In heaven's realm, slaughter is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The slaughter of this lamb was sacrificial in nature and not the end, but the means to an end. The slaughter of this sacrificial lamb has eternal consequences, the offer of salvation and the eternal salvation of people's souls. The historical fact of his slaughter is repeated three times in this one chapter. Friend, we can never overemphasize the death of Jesus on the cross. The modern church in America runs from the talk of Jesus' slaughter on the cross, then wonders why all hell has broken loose in our country. The slaughter of Christ reminds us of the dire consequence of sin. It is death. Satan has worked overtime in the church and culture to eradicate this truth because he does not want one person to be set free from the prison of guilt, shame, failure, and death that encapsulates the person without Christ. But Jesus' slaughter was once for all. It happened once, never to happen again. As we skirt away from this idea of slaughter, you can hear just people saying it now, oh, Christianity is such a bloodthirsty religion. Yet the concept is found throughout the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned, 
God slaughtered an animal and made clothes for them to hide their newfound nakedness. The entire Old Testament sacrificial system was based on the slaughtering of animals of all types and atonement for sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Sin cannot be taken away unless something or someone loses their life. At Passover, the children of Israel slaughtered a lamb and sprinkled it on the doorpost to avoid, to avoid the visitation of the death angel. The prodigal son's father ordered the slaughtering of the, the prime calf in honor of that son who returned home. And the apostle Paul said in Romans 8:36, he said, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. The shedding of blood as covering for sin is fixed and established. This lamb, he's worthy. He's worthy. The Bible says that this lamb was slaughtered. And the reason why he's worthy is because of the sacrificial death that he died for man's sin and who overcame death in the grave. But the lamb who was slaughtered is worthy. Why? And friend, let's not overanalyze these words. These words mean exactly what you and I understand them to mean. It says that Jesus, the lamb who was slaughtered, is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. In a nutshell, he's worthy to receive everything because of what he's done for you and me. Why? Why is he exclusively worthy? Because he conquered sin with his own blood. He was slain and his blood covered the sin of mankind. Jesus fought the battle with sin and won. John presents that Jesus is the perfect example of victory through sacrifice. This comes as as an encouraging word to the seven churches in Asia who were admonished by Christ to hold on to the end and to be overcomers. This lamb is worthy and worthy to receive all of these things because he conquered death. He's standing there alive. So friend, people think they did him in, yet in the end, Jesus is seen standing very much alive. And finally, he's worthy because he consecrated men. That means he set them apart for holy service to God. There in verse 9, it says, And you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. Friend, I've got good news for you. There's not one people group that's going to be left out in heaven. It says that every tribe and language and people and nation. So, In spite of the work of communists and totalitarian regimes to keep Jesus Christ out of their borders, Jesus Christ is infiltrating all the ranks and all the demographics and all of the sociological structures that man constructs to keep him out, and he's calling people to himself. He can appear in a dream if he wants to and call someone to salvation. He cannot be stopped. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's consecrating men. He's consecrating men. In verse 10, it says, You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is tremendous. This is huge of why this lamb, this sacrificial lamb, one who was slain yet standing, is worthy because he made us a kingdom and priest to our God. When I say us, I'm talking about every person who claims Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. As God would have it, friend, the daily devotion today, May 4th, And my evening devotion hits the nail on the head regarding the power of chapter 5 and the glory of the worthy lamb. The apostle Peter put it this way. He talks about being born again, not of corruptible seed, 
but of incorruptible in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Peter most earnestly exhorted the scattered saints to love each other with a pure heart fervently, and he wisely based his argument not from the law, from nature, or from philosophy, but from that high and divine nature which God has implanted in his people. Just as some judicious tutor of princes might labor to bring about and foster in them a kingly spirit and dignified behavior, finding arguments in their position and descent, so, looking upon God's people as heirs of glory, princes of the blood royal, descendants of the king of kings, Peter said to them, See that you love one another because of your noble birth, being born of incorruptible seed, because of your pedigree, being descended from God, the creator of all things, and because of your immortal destiny. Folks, Jesus is worthy. He is the worthy, resurrected, sacrificial lamb of God. And because what he did on the cross and the resurrection, forever we claim our immortal destiny. It says, For you shall never pass away, though the glory of the flesh shall fade, and even its existence shall cease, Peter said. It would be well if, in the spirit of humility, we recognized the true dignity of our regenerated nature and lived up to it. Friend, I want to read that again. This is the nail on the head for chapter 5 in Revelation. It would be well if, in the spirit of humility, we recognized the true dignity of our regenerated nature and lived up to it. What is a Christian? If you compare him with a king, he adds priestly sanctity to royal dignity. Friend, that is a phrase that you need to remember forever. We're not just of royal descent as people who have been brought into the kingdom of heaven, but he's done more than that. If you compare us with a king, he's added priestly sanctity to royal dignity. That is huge. The king's royalty often lies only in his crown. But with a Christian, it is infused into his inmost nature. Just think about this. Right now, during this time in our lives, there is talk about perhaps that the royalty of England will someday go away. You know it's only a figurehead. It has absolutely no authority over the governance of the country. It's reminiscent of the past. But yet, for the royalty to exist, it costs the nation a fortune to keep them afloat. And so there is a pressure on to actually see the monarchy dissolved. When you think about why they are a monarchy to begin with, they were robber barons. They stole from the people, made them subject to themselves, and then put them as serfs on property that they had stolen away from the people. And today they're heralded as something great. What a, it's sad, but yet that's not true for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is truly royal, and as his children, we have been grafted into his family, and we are royalty, but we're more than that. We've had added to our royal dignity, priestly sanctity. That means we've been set apart. We've been cleaned up for service to God. For the Christian, he is as much above his fellows through his new birth as a man is above the beast that perishes. Surely he ought to carry himself in all his dealings as one who is not of the multitude, but chosen out of the world distinguished by sovereign grace, written among the peculiar people, and who therefore cannot grovel in the dust as others, nor live after the manner of the world's citizens. Let the dignity of your nature and the brightness of your prospects, O believers in Christ, constrain you to cleave to holiness and to avoid the very appearance of evil. Wow. 
because Jesus was willing to be slaughtered as the sacrificial lamb for our sin and through his almighty power conquered death in the grave, we have the glorious opportunity to enter into his eternal kingdom because he has infused us eternally with royal dignity and priestly sanctity. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.